I'm Jennifer Nielsen, and this is Let It Glow, Episode 9, Becoming Resilient. Ready, set, glow. Welcome to the Let It Glow podcast, a happy place where you'll learn how to let your soul shine and discover new ways to design your best life. I'm your host, Jennifer Nielsen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about becoming resilient. How well do you bounce back from difficult situations? Being resilient can be the difference between losing it or keeping your cool. We've all been there. Those moments when everything seems to go wrong, and then somehow we manage to keep our cool. We handle it like a boss. And then the next day, maybe this similar events happen, and then we just kind of have this meltdown. But what I'm learning is that it's very possible to have that same reaction most of the time, the reaction of not melting down. And really, it just goes back to being resilient. And research has shown that while it might come to people more naturally, you can learn behaviors to help you become more resilient. We are going to be discussing techniques on how to do this later in this episode, but first, I want to share a personal experience with you that shows the importance of being resilient before difficulty strikes. My dad always taught us important lessons by telling stories, and that's how I learn best too, so that's how I like to teach these important principles. And this goes back to 27 years ago. I had just graduated from high school, wearing my favorite red dress. It was Christmas time. And it was me and my little brother, Darren, and my little sister, Stacy, and my little brother, Brian. So I was the oldest one in the group. So I was the designated driver. And we were going to go out to this Christmas idea house. It was kind of like a boutique that we went to every year. It was kind of a tradition for our family. So we were heading out to the driveway to hop into my car, which at that point was a Chevy Cavalier. I don't even think they make them anymore. But it was back in the day when two doors were really cool. So it was this two-door, just small car. And it, was a, it wasn't the most well-built of cars. And, but it worked. I was you know, a young driver. I loved my red Cavalier. But for some reason, in that process of deciding which car to take, which we were hopping into my, like I said, the Cavalier, we made just a quick decision to take my mom's car which was actually a Mercedes, which, as we know, are very well-built, very strong, sturdy vehicles. And I didn't think much of it. I don't know why we made the switch, other than maybe it was roomier. I don't know. So we hopped into the car, and we were excited to head out to this boutique. And I just remember all of us being together, and we were just laughing and having fun. And we actually were singing Christmas carols. We love Christmas carols in our family. So we were heading out to South Gilbert, I think towards Chandler, And if you're not familiar with that area, and again, it's been 27 years ago, there was really nothing out there. There was not much developing going on. There weren't streetlights. And for the most part, we kept hitting these four-way stops. And again, we're singing, we're having fun, probably not paying attention as well as we should have been, or at least as well as I should have been being the driver. But we got to a stop sign, and I just, for some reason, thought it was a four-way stop because I did stop. And I kept going. And as I was going into the intersection... This car was going 55 miles per hour, and it wasn't a four-way stop. It was a two-way stop. 
So we got broadsided with from that driver going full speed, 55 miles per hour, no skid marks. And it hit the side of the car that I was on. My little brother Darren was on. And again, it was just, there was just a very huge impact. And it was a very traumatic, very, um, it was a serious wreck. And I don't really remember much from that point on. I went into shock a little bit. And I know that, I mean, everyone was affected, impacted, hurt from the accident. But my parents were called. They came to the scene of the accident. And my brother Darren and my sister Stacy were airbagged. And again, like I said, I don't really remember a lot of that other than they were cutting my red dress. And I was really sad because I loved that dress. But for some reason, I just kind of blacked out. And um, they were both airbagged to different hospitals, Stacy and Darren. And I know that there's still things, small little effects or impacts from that wreck. I, I think my brother with his back and Stacy had some injury on her face, but for the most part, miraculously, we were all okay. And I just remember being really shaken up after that because it was just out of the blue and didn't see it coming, literally. Like we stopped, I thought I was doing the right thing. And in the end, I pulled out right in the front of a vehicle that was going full speed. But as we learned a little bit more later that the car that we were in was the difference between us being okay and a lot more of a tragic ending to this to the story to this accident. And I don't I don't remember who gave us this information but I just remember it stuck with me that if that car would have been 1 inch one way or the other it would have just had a very different outcome. And if we would have taken the Chevy Cavalier which was our original choice and being a two door and not as well built that it would have it would have just there's no way that car could have withstood the impact from that from the wreck. And I've thought about that a lot, just that quick decision that we made to just to switch cars and not knowing at the time how important that was and and what a life-saving thing that would be. And it was very hard for me being the one that was responsible for the pain and the trauma. And just this accident that it was essentially my fault. I was ticketed for it. I remember the police officer coming to the door that night. I was pretty beat up and just not doing super great. I just was pretty, had a little post-traumatic stress from that. But really what it came down to was because we were in the Mercedes versus the Cavalier, it was the difference between a tragedy and some bumps and bruises. And I think so often... How resilient we are before difficulties arrive will determine how we how we come out of that. And I think when the when the difficulties arrive, it's it's a little bit late to go back and restructure and rebuild and add you know stronger framework and all the different things that go into building a car or to building ourselves. The we have to be resilient. We have to be ready and prepared for when that happens. The time to to become resilient isn't when trauma, or difficulties arrive. We need to have that in preparation before that happens. So it's just, I've thought about that again so often. And gratefully, we didn't take the Cavalier and I still drove it for a long time. And it was just, it's been one of those lessons that's really stuck with me. But I just think the importance of having that resilience, having that fortification, having that strength before hard times arrive is so, so important. Because we all know 
if we're having the human experience, we're going to have hard things. Things will happen that will test us. We'll have trials in our life. We'll have difficulties. And even for me, sometimes I talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast that it sometimes feels daily, the daily grind, that just the buildup of all the things we have to do and stress will build. And sometimes it's the little things that get to me, at least, where I'll just kind of get frazzled or I let the unimportant things get to me. Even just this last week, I was been working on this fundraiser and it's just been a lot of work and I've had a lot of other things kind of surrounding it that have made it harder to devote my time fully to this fundraiser. But the clock is ticking and we've got to get it going. And so I had to push past some of the own personal things that I was dealing with to make this happen. And it was time for this meeting with the, with the clock, you know, it was getting closer to when it was to be starting. And I had ordered the folders for the meeting like days before. So I'd have them ready. I'd already been to the printer. And the folders, what we give out for business sponsorships and to kind of educate people as to what the fundraiser is about. It's for CC's Hope Center. This will be a facility that will provide housing and resources for girls who've been victims of sex trafficking. So it's something I'm very committed to and very engaged with, but yet I was just finding that things were just building up. Like I talked about the little stresses. I had to get one of my kids Lincoln to football and I get Clover to dance. And I was waiting for the folders and they never came. It was like three o'clock and it was time to start putting them together so I'd be ready for the meeting. And I looked at my Amazon account and they were nowhere to be found. I was like, what is going on? I'm good at Amazon. I know how to <laughs> push the click, you know, that quick, you know, click on the button to order things. I mean, come on. I, I knew I'd ordered it, but yet they weren't there and it wasn't showing up. So I had about 43 minutes from the time I dropped Clover off at dance till I had to be home and get Lincoln back to football and then back to get Clover at dance and to be to my meeting on time. So it was just a little bit, just a lot to do in a little amount of time. Oh yeah, and I had a shower as well to get ready for the meeting. So I really didn't have extra time, but I needed to get folders. So I went to Staples, which unbeknownst to me had gone out of business by my house. And then I went to Target. They didn't have folders. And then I ended up at Office Max. Well, they did have folders, but they were cream and I wanted white. So I just bit the bolt. I bought the cream folders, which I wasn't happy about because they didn't really work with what I was doing, but I was in a pinch. So I run home and I just find found myself, my blood was rising. I was just feeling myself just kind of getting frazzled. And I was like, okay, I know better. I know how to do this. Why am I letting myself get to this point? But yet there I was, and we've all been there. And you know that level of resilience that I know how to avoid, I just was just kind of letting it take over. So finally I get home, I get ready really fast, I grab Lincoln to leave to football, and as soon as I'm leaving the house, I look on my front doorstep and out of nowhere they appeared. From the time I'd gotten home, it was maybe 15 minutes, they ended up on my doorstep. The white folders that I had actually ordered on my husband's Amazon account, which is why they weren't showing up on my Amazon account. So the whole point is is that I kind of bombed that situation because I, I got frantic I allowed myself to get worked up, and a lot of times those solutions or what we need to have is right there, and we kind of make things more complicated. And the way that we handle it is really up to us. And I was able to work through it pretty quickly, and I've it, I've had worse scenarios than that, trust me. But I did feel that sense of being frazzled and overwhelmed and just like those skills of resilience that I know how to do, I wasn't really using them. So I guess I'm human too. We all get to those places where... We know better, but yet sometimes it's the natural humanity in us takes over. But really, if we understand on the little things, on the big things, the ability to be resilient 
makes the difference between like the quality of life that we have. And it's very possible, like I talked about earlier, for anyone to learn this. And I do know there are people, we know them, that are just naturally more cool, naturally just don't get as wound up, they're a little more laid back. I mean, we all have these different personalities. But we can choose and train ourselves to handle things differently. It definitely is not necessary or required to get frazzled when things go wrong or to get angry at our kids when they're not listening, though we're to react to certain situations as if it's doom and gloom. If we can just look at things as it is what it is, and often we just kind of jump in and kind of get wound up when it's really not necessary. But like I said, the quality of our life is definitely contingent on how resilient we are. So we're going to discuss some of those techniques that I talked about at the beginning. And I read this article by Kendra Sherry, and it listed 10 ways that you can improve your resilience. And listen up, because these are really good and very important. And every one of them I have been able to see personally in my life when I've applied them and then when I haven't and the difference that that makes. So number one is to find a sense of purpose in your life. And I've kind of discussed this before, but really this has been a game changer for me. Like what I'm doing right now, literally doing this podcast, is a result of finding purpose in my life. I love to be able to share the lessons that I've learned, all the training and the studying, and the school of hard knocks that I've had to go through to get to the point where I do know how to avoid stressful situations. I do know how to find peace and chaos. And I do know how to find joy in my life, even when things aren't exactly going the way that I'd like them to. So being able to share that is so enriching and fulfilling for me because I've been in that place before when I just thought that chaos was a way of being, that there was no other way. So ultimately, finding purpose for me in my pain has helped me find true healing. And now I'm driven to help other people to find that same true joy and purpose and peace in their life, and really to know that there is something on the other side of whatever it is that's holding us back. And another example of this is Candace Leitner, and she's the founder of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. So her 13-year-old daughter was killed by a drunk driver who was freshly out of jail on bail after another hit-and-run drunk and driving accident. And naturally, this just she was so upset by this light sentence that she focused her energy on creating awareness of the dangers of drunk driving. And I remember this. This was back when I was in high school. This was just became so apparent, and it was something that had just really people started talking about. And up until then, it wasn't as highly publicized or talked about. And she explained how this kind of evolved for her. She said, I promised myself on the day of Carrie's death that I would fight to make this needless homicide count for something positive in years ahead. And finding a purpose in the face of crisis or tragedy really can play an important role in your recovery. It's played an important role in my recovery. It has been vital in my recovery process, like I said. And this can be different. I mean, it all looks differently for all of us. And it can be as simple as just getting involved in your community, or just working on your own spirituality, or serving others, that's really a big, big, big one that really takes the distraction off your pain and on maybe what you're struggling with when you can help other people, and really just participating in meaningful activities. And so again, finding a sense of purpose in your life is really a first and important step in helping you become more resilient, because if you kind of can focus on the bigger picture it, it helps you focus less on the little things and sometimes even the big things that weigh us down that are causing us pain. 
So number two is build positive beliefs in your ability. This one does not come easily, and it really deserves its own podcast episode. So it will be coming, so stay tuned. But it really is absolutely necessary in becoming resilient to have a positive self-esteem, to believe in our own abilities. We become stronger from the inside out. And like we talked about with the Cavalier, the way it was built, starting with the frame, determined how strong it was. And if we had been in that car when that accident had happened, we've already kind of discussed the probability of the outcome would have been very bleak. The car just wasn't built to withstand that kind of impact. And really, Mercedes are built. That's kind of their selling point. They're very, they're very manufactured, very strong with the framework. It's that what the, the strength comes from the inside out, and that's determined when you buy the car. And so when you get into a situation where you need that, it's already in place. So if you look at your personal self as needing to build that framework to have that strength from the inside out, you'll be prepared when difficult situations arrive. And loving yourself is a big key in that and believing in yourself. Research has demonstrated that your self-esteem plays an important role in coping with stress and recovering from difficult situations. So intentional thinking, reminding yourself of your strengths and accomplishments is very key. And if something negative pops into your mind and you start to spiral, because again, we've all been there, just remember, don't always believe what you think. Thoughts are not facts. And I've said it before in my podcast, and I'll say it again. And maybe it's because I have to remind myself because sometimes I let my thoughts run away with me. So if you can replace those negative thoughts with positive ones immediately, that's a first big and important step. But acknowledging that the thoughts aren't always truth is an important part of that. So this has played out with me doing the Let It Glow fundraiser that I've been working on, like I talked about earlier. I've never put on an event like this before, and there have been times where I kind of have felt like I maybe bit off more than I can chew, because it's really hard, and I have never done it before. And just like I had talked about before at the podcast, and anytime you take on something new, it's that unknown. I mean, how many times have you embarked into uncharted territory? I know we all have whether it's when we're getting married or having children or a new job or whatever the case may be. It's those unknowns when we don't know what we're doing or how it's going to play out that it kind of challenges us. And that's at that that point where we can either keep going or sometimes that's when we quit. But if we believe in our abilities to do something, if we have that positive belief system, that will help us in those moments when we want to quit. Because like I said, we've all been there when we feel that sense of what the heck am I doing here? But I do know for myself, and I believe this is the case with all of us, if we can put our mind to it, we can figure it out. It's just making the choice to do that. And the unknown is scary, but don't let that stop you. The more confident you are in your abilities and the way you respond and deal with crisis is a great way to become more resilient. And the more you practice that, the more you kind of push yourself through those hard or difficult times, it kind of gives you practice. And really, as I've seen this pattern in my life, it's just evolved. And I just, I look at myself now where really hard things do come about or challenges or things that are testing me personally or family. And I have just a different set of tools to deal with it. And so I'm not adding the extra stress of the reaction of being frazzled to it for the most part. 
again, like I said last week, I fell prey to my own anxiety and my own getting frazzled. But I know how to get out of it quicker, and I don't stay in that place very long. An important thing to remember, too, about my silly little folder example was that the solution was already there. How often do we make it more complicated and overlook the solution and make life harder on ourselves? It happens a lot. But really just going back to just believing that we can figure it out. We don't have to make things more complicated than they have to be. And as we have that belief in ourselves, that will be a gateway into up-leveling our lives and to achieving those accomplishments that we set out to achieve. So number three is develop a strong social network. And this is one that has always come really easy for me. I can't say that about all of them, but this is one that I just naturally have always been surrounded by really powerful, positive, supportive, loving people. Now, along the way, there have been some that haven't been so much, and I'm learning boundaries and how to to (laughs) separate that. And that's an important thing to remember when we're talking about a social network, that we need to surround ourselves with supportive people, people that respect our boundaries. And a warm body just doesn't do the trick, or maybe someone who's toxic. Look to surround yourself with people that lift you and that build you up. It is so important to have people that you can confide in, and then they can also act as a protective factor during times of crisis. You can vent to them, and they can help you come up with possible solutions to your problems or give you positive feedback, or sometimes just to hear you vent. And really, that can make or break you in these situations is to have a really strong support system. My social network comes in many shapes and sizes. I have friends and family, business associates who share the same interests as I do, and also therapists. Throughout the years, I've I've been able to work through a lot of difficult things by talking to the right people and doing the right kind of work with the right kind of people. And they have all been a part of my support group throughout the years. And I think it's important to understand that all successful people have people that they can rely on, the people that can help and support them. And really understanding that isn't isn't a limitation. It's actually understanding that that will bless us and to help us. And so that's just one thing that we can remember. But I just want to go back to the last tip where really this plays out is, first of all, we have to have a belief in our own abilities. But we also have to be very aware of what maybe some of our strengths and weaknesses are so that we can fill in the gap with a supportive group of people to help us with the things that we are not good at. Because there's a lot of things that I do not want to do, and numbers are one of them. And it is so critical that I've had the right people helping me with this fundraiser that are good at those things. They can help me with the things that I'm not strong in, the areas that I'm not as good at. So again, numbers and tax deduction talk, they just (laughs) puts me to sleep. So it really is important to surround yourself with those people that may excel in areas that you aren't as strong in. And really, it's just called good old-fashioned teamwork. I go every Friday night, and usually on Saturday, I watch a football game with my boys. And it's pretty amazing when you see how the teamwork plays out with these football players. I mean, it's you're only as strong as each player. And if you have a weak side with the offense, the defense, and my husband would probably laugh at me because I don't explain it probably as, as well as I should, but I get enough to know how important each member of the team is. And that is the way it is if we're doing, like I said, the, my fundraising event as a family unit, that we have a strong system, a support system within those groups. of, of That's how we'll have more success. And this really, like I said, applies in all areas of our life. So number four is embrace change. 
I don't know about you, but change is for the birds sometimes. And how many times have we heard the only constant in life is change? That is true. I definitely resist change at times. I am a creature of habit. And when life throws me a curveball, sometimes it takes me a minute to adapt and readjust and accept the changes in life. I I must come by it rightfully because my mom is definitely a creature of habit. I remember years and years ago, I was going to college and I was doing a research paper and I came over to her house one night and she was in her office typing something for my sister on her typewriter. Now, they did have computers back in the day when I was in college. And a typewriter, there was a lot easier way to do things than with a typewriter. I said, Mom, what are you doing? Why are you still using a typewriter? Do you realize how much easier it would be to do this on a computer? And she looked at me and said with all seriousness, but Jennifer, I have corrector tape on my typewriter. (laughs) As if that simplified her life. But sometimes that learning curve of figuring out something new, changing our skill set, learning something that maybe we're uncomfortable with, the time that we could spend learning that new skill set would definitely save us time in the long run. But so often we don't want to make that initial investment because we don't like change. Again, raise your hand if that's you. I think we've all been there. But so many times I look at my life and the things that turned out differently than I wanted them to, and I've talked about it in my podcast because I'm very willful and I'm very, and I'm a visionary. I love to imagine things and I have great ideas. And sometimes it's hard to talk me out of my own ideas. And there's been plenty of times when things haven't gone the way I wanted them to, that in the long run, I was so grateful. So if we can be flexible and learn to be a little more adaptable, this will help us to be more resilient. Because a lot of times resisting and pushing against change is just adding, adding energy and exhaustion and pain to sometimes things that we can't change anyway. So again, how often do we make our lives more difficult because we don't embrace change? Guilty as charged, I've told you, but I can tell you again that that mindset and embracing that can really be the difference between, again, that quality of life that we talked about. So, and it often puts us on a course that we would have otherwise missed. Kind of like I discuss, and I really look at things in my life and I just, I get emotional because sometimes we think we know best and we're determined to make it happen the way that we want to make it happen. And I'm grateful for whatever reason that that life has intervened or that things have gone differently because I know if I was where I thought I should be, I wouldn't have the richness in my life. I wouldn't have the relationships I have in my life. And I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with myself. And again, that's all because of change. So I'm grateful for that, and I hope that as you go throughout your life and you're you're hitting a wall or things are happening, you're just thinking that, the why, why me? Just understand that whatever it is that's happening, and often it's things that we can't change, if we can embrace that and understand that there will be learning from that, and that often something is waiting on the other side that's even better. So number five is to be optimistic. Now, staying optimistic during dark times can be difficult, but maintaining a hopeful outlook is an important part of resiliency. Without hope, we are toast. But one thing we need to remember is that doesn't mean that we can't acknowledge when things are hard, but we don't want to focus on that. So let's just listen to Honest Abe here. Abraham Lincoln said, We can complain because the rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because 
thorn bushes have roses. And I just look at that perspective and how just the way we look at things really shifts how it plays out for us. And that really is the truth. Our perspective is everything. And again, to be clear, this does not mean that we pretend or ignore problems. That is absolutely the last thing that we should do. I think getting comfortable and being honest with the way things are clear a space for us to feel real joy because we're not waiting for things to be perfect to be happy. Like I can be optimistic and happy, but it doesn't necessarily mean because everything's working out the way I want to. And there'll be times when people will say something, oh, Jennifer, you're so positive, you're so... And I kind of just have to take <laughs> take a breath because I know it's meant as a compliment. But for me, what I really have learned is that I'm very, very comfortable with being okay with things not being great and saying the way things really are, which isn't always necessarily being positive, but also not focusing on that. And I don't know if that makes sense, but there's that balance between being positive and then acknowledging things as they really are. Because really life is hard and there are going to be thorns in our life. That's just part of it. And some setbacks are temporary, but you can overcome them. Look where you are now. Look back to where you were five years ago or 10 years ago. And if we can look at our progress and not focus on perfection, but on progress, it's easier to be happy and optimistic because we're not waiting for perfection or things to go just the way that we want them to, to be happy. Because remember, pain is given in life, but suffering is optional. So in all of this, we do have a choice, even when things are hard, to focus on what's working and to be optimistic. And that is a huge key in becoming resilient. So number six is nurture yourself. And we have touched on this in prior episodes, but self-care is so important because when you're stressed out, sometimes the first things to go are the very things that you need to have resilience, such as losing your appetite. That's not usually what happens for me. When I'm stressed, I tend to eat more, like comfort eating for me. But a lot of people that the food is a way to kind of gauge where we're at sometimes, and that's something that we kind of have to work through. But so often our eating habits are affected when we're stressed. We can just agree on that. Exercise, losing our sleep or not getting enough sleep, these are all common reactions to um, being in a crisis situation. So it's important to take time for you. Fill up your gas tank so you'll keep going, so you'll be more effective, so you'll have more to offer. Why do we beat ourselves up and sometimes feel that by taking time for ourselves, we're taking time away from other things that we should be doing that are more important? Nothing is as important as your mental health, your spiritual health, and your physical health. Take time to nurture those parts of you and your family will benefit. Your loved ones will benefit. Everyone will benefit. Trust me, they don't want a frazzled, tired, hungry, cranky person around. So take care of yourself. You'll be able to serve those around you so much more effectively. And I can't tell you from personal experience how important this is because I have, you know, five children and it's busy and I'm running around. I'm trying to do this business. I'm trying to do all these different things. And it's easy to put self-care on the back burner. And really when I do, I have seen it, how I end up paying the piper. So remember when you're on a flight, you the analogy that you always take oxygen first for yourself and then you give it to your child. And that used to kind of always bother me because I'm like, I want to give it to my child first. They're the priority, but you can't be effective in helping your child if you run out of oxygen. You can't give what you don't have. So really taking care of yourself will boost your overall health and resilience and you will be able to rock life's challenges because that's what we want. It's not just to get by, but to thrive and to really overcome. 
and start with nurturing yourself. I promise, make that a priority today. If you haven't done something for yourself, make it happen. So number seven is develop problem-solving skills. And again, this kind of goes back to you know the Cavalier or the Mercedes. And before the wreck, the accident arrived, the trauma, the crisis situation, the car was already decided, was already determined. The framework was already done. At that point, it wasn't time to go back and change the way the, the Cavalier was built and made it, to make it more stronger, to change the framing in the car. It was already determined. And so if you think of that analogy as when crisis arrives, that's not the time to start coming up with problem-solving skills. You know, we've always heard that when you talk to your kids about drugs and alcohol or, you know, different decisions in life to decide before the opportunity arrives or before the temptation comes up to have a decision already made of how you're going to handle it. Well, as adults, we can do the same thing to decide when this arrives or when this situation comes up, this is how I'm going to handle it. Because again, like we talked about, it's we can't avoid stressful situations. That is part of life, but we can problem solve and handle them differently. And that is up to us. So have a plan. Practice ways to solve problems before the crisis arrives. Research suggests that people who are able to come up with solutions to a problem are better able to cope with problems than those who don't. For me, a huge step was to understand and anticipate that glitches are going to happen in life. So often we just stop ourselves and like, why is this happening? Why? And just wondering or wishing it were different. And there's the the problem's there. So don't waste time wishing away why it's there, why you wish it wasn't there. Just move into problem solving because things will go wrong. And when we spend time asking why, 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 we are wasting time that we could be spending on finding a solution. So I remember years ago, I was getting ready to leave our family ranch. And I hopped in my Suburban, had all the kids loaded up. It was pretty chilly out. It was right there in January. And my battery was dead. My car wouldn't start. And it was just in the middle of, you know, middle of nowhere. And luckily, my dad was there because I didn't have any jumper cables. So I started panicking because without jumper cables, I was not going to be able to, to fix what was needed to fix my car, which was the dead battery. So my dad always came to the rescue. He was a master at problem solving. That is one thing that I could I could go to him with anything and with snap, he figured it out. And I love that. And he could always find a quick, logical solution to any problem. So of course, in this case, he did. He had a pair of um, cables hidden away in the garage so that within minutes, he had me hooked up to his car and I was on my way. And I just remember thinking, what would I do if my dad wasn't there? That same trip... I had been carrying my little link and he was about two years old. We were staying at the carriage house, which was separated from the ranch house. So it was snowing out. It was a little bit icy. And I was taking him over to put him to bed. And I slipped on the little walkway going down to the carriage house. And we both just landed (laughs) right on our backs. It wasn't very pretty. I could be a little klutzy on a non-snowy, icy day. So I told my dad what had happened. And the next day we were in pacing, getting tread, little tapes with tread on it to put on the steps so that that little area, there would be no more slipping. And since then, no one has slipped. But I just, again, going back to the jumper cables and then that, I just remember thinking, wow, my dad, he just figures it out. What would I do without him? Because really beyond that, I'd always go to my dad, whether it was purchasing a car or just any of these little things, because he was so good at it. But that clear, specific memory at the ranch really stands out to me because that was my last 
my last trip to the ranch with my dad. And like the whole trip, I don't know why. I just noticed like if anything was wrong, he was always tinkering and or organizing the pantry or fixing the fire hose down below or putting batteries in something or changing light bulbs. I mean, he was just always solving little problems. And he was on the bigger things, he knew how to solve the big problems. But since his passing, I've had to learn to do a lot of problem solving on my own without looking to him for guidance. But he taught me by his example the importance of figuring out a solution. And I'm really good at that. I am problem. I'm really focused on finding solutions. And I can't say that I don't fall into the trap of the why, 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 because I do too many times to count. But I do know the quicker I get to solving the problem, and as I become more self-reliant on my own decision-making, that has definitely helped me to become more resilient. So again, just remember to practice developing your problem-solving skills. Have a plan, and a plan not only what you're going to do, but how you're going to respond. And kind of walk yourself through it as you find yourself kind of having that meltdown. Understand that there's another way to handle things, and there's always a solution to every problem. There's always a way to figure it out to fix it. So number eight is establish goals. If you don't name them, they won't happen. If you do not set goals, if you don't have dreams or ideas or a plan, it just won't happen. And I, I get it, where sometimes we're just in the survival mode. I've been there, I'm sure you've been there before. And the last thing we're worried about is dreams and goals. We just want to make it through the day. And so often we just quit dreaming or we lose hope because we just can't imagine that things will get better. But having long-term goals will take us out of that current situation. No matter how tricky it is, how hard it is, if we can have that hope and that feeling that things will get better, it just takes us out of that feeling of being in that black hole. And even when things seem unsurmountable, there is always a way out. Another example for me, I just remember, I've talked about it a little bit, but when my son served his mission in Peru, I made the decision that I wanted to hike Juan Picchu. Now you have Machu Picchu, which are the ruins, and then Juan Picchu is the mountain that overlooks Machu Picchu. And first of all, you have to reserve this like at least six months in advance because they only allow so many people to go up to Juan Picchu and to Machu Picchu at a time. So I made the decision about six months before he was going to come home that I was going to hike that and Talon was going to come with me and so was Hayden. And it was no small feat because I hadn't hiked since girls camp in high school. And truthfully, even then I wouldn't really call it much of a hike because I was one of those girls that avoided it at all costs or I'd sit and take breaks or I might've hit out in the bathroom or in my tent a time or two. So I really wasn't in a position or, you know, to do this. And I decided that I was going to figure it out. It had been over probably a decade since I'd really even exercised. I know it's sad, but true. So setting this goal was the first step. And then it took many steps after that, but I ended up conquering the mountain, figuratively and literally. So setting goals and viewing these situations in a realistic way can help you become more resilient. Number nine, take action to solve problems. I love this one. It probably is my favorite because it is in this that I have seen great shifts in my life because so often we play the victim. Don't play the victim. You can take action. You can create what you want in your life. You can solve your problems. Don't wait for someone to save you. My dad would always say, take the bull by the horn. So really, simply waiting for the problem to go away on its own only prolongs the problem, and then waiting for someone else to fix it is just about as pointless. 
Resilience is knowing that you are the only one that has the power and the responsibility to pick yourself up. You can start working on resolving the issue now. This doesn't mean you can't go to your support network that we discussed earlier, but being resilient means looking inward to solve your problems. My oldest son shared the analogy he learned on his mission of being an object or an agent. Either you can be acted upon or you can use agency to take action. The picture of a rock just comes to my mind. A rock has no force or ability on its own. It's just a rock. But if someone picks it up and throws it, it can be quite formidable. I don't suggest throwing rocks, but remember that the power that the rock has depends on how it is used. So again, take action. You are your own best solution. Take action. Number 10, keep working on your skills. Resilience takes time to build. Rome wasn't built in a day and neither were you. It will take time to retrain yourself and to learn new skills. And I find myself kind of beating myself up sometimes because I know what to do and what not to do. I have the tools to avoid these situations and I know how to be resilient, but yet sometimes we slip. Again, that is part of the human experience. You will take two steps forward and one step back. Just plan on it. I know how frustrating it is to keep learning the same things over and over again. But even if you slip up at times, as I do, as we all do, you don't have to stay in that ditch as long. And you can learn how to get yourself out. And that is what resilience will do for you. And that's what it has done for me. I am living proof that you can teach an old dog new tricks. I often think of myself as you know, those dolls at the carnivals growing up. I don't even know if they have them anymore. You'd hit the doll with the ball and it would bounce right up. The little knockdown dolls. And I just think about different times in my life, how I just kept getting knocked down and be one thing after another, after another. And I just was like, oh my goodness, when is this going to stop? And yet I got myself back up. And the more I got knocked down, the more my resilience grew and the better I got at getting up quicker. And I've learned so much in some of those hard times of how to be resilient And being resilient doesn't mean you won't get knocked down, but it just means you will know how to get back up again and again and again. Know that deep inside you are resilient, brave, and so much stronger and powerful than your fears. So it's up to you. Do you want to be a Chevy Cavalier or a Mercedes? I've experienced them both, so let me tell you, it's an easy answer for me. A Mercedes. I want to be strong and well-built from the inside out. I want to be resilient, and so can you. I hope you enjoy today's podcast episode, and until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to the Let It Glow podcast. If you enjoyed this show, share the love with a friend. This podcast can be found on iTunes or subscribe on my website at www.let-it-glow.com. And remember, let go and let it glow.